0: He was vice president of Kenya for years. Now, William Ruto is its president. But is he up to the job? And what's his plan to tackle the country's many problems? I'm Kim Vanell, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests, all joining us from Kenya's capital, Nairobi. We have Dennis Ntumbi, campaign secretary for president-elect William Ruto. Marima Waka Ochiwa, Executive Director of SIASA, a nonprofit that works on youth political engagement in Kenya. And we have Bobby Mkangi, a constitutional lawyer and former member of the Committee of Experts that wrote Kenya's new constitution. A very warm welcome to you all. I'd like to start with you, uh, Dennis and Tumbi. You were the campaign secretary for the now present elect. How are you feeling with the results and, and with the fact that not all the election commissioners were, were endorsing the results?
1: Uh, thank you very much and uh, greetings to viewers. We are elected. Uh, we are thankful to God um, that uh, the elections were announced to the favor of uh, the well being of this nation and that the process uh, was the most integrous process that I have, and as a nation, we've ever gone through. I think we have to give it to IBC this time for, uh, you know, giving us a process that had. Uh, almost negligible administrative flows, perhaps from the election day, the deployment of QM's kit, uh, the voting process was largely peaceful. And uh, also the process of validation and verification was one of the most truthful and open process this country has ever gone through. In fact, it will be established as a case study across the world mm. uh, that uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any global process, that a uh, global electoral process, that has been as open as we have ever seen. And we are thankful to God that um, there is a strong progression in terms of uh, electoral democracy in this country. So okay. we are very elated and we are looking forward to essentially a government that is going to be inclusive and a government that is going to, um, you know, uh, perform, uh, you know, um, absolute surgery to well, the issues that are affecting this nation.
0: Mr. Ntombi. we'll come back to, to, the, to the future in a moment, but you didn't answer my question. Four election commissioners cast doubt on the results. What's your reaction to that?
1: Our reaction to that is that um, I was on the floor of the bombers. I was private to the dealings. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, the vice chair, uh, who is a part of the team that is complaining, read the elections of 22, read, read the results of 22 constituents. And uh, we are surprised that uh, she's part of the team that is complaining. They were involved all through. And, uh, you know, if there's anybody who has issues, I think they should, uh, uh, you know, go through the constitutional mechanisms to complain. I think now they have the law provides the question provides seven days, um, you know, towards the uh, litigation and 14 days towards the same. We are confident that the process was uh, was verifiable and uh, we, we don't see issues from our end okay. whatsoever. And the law is very clear. That it is uh, the chairman of the commission uh, that is the presidential returning officer mm-hmm. and the one positionally obligated to then uh, call uh, the president elected to Bing.
0: Okay, so you're happy to see the process through. Um, Narima Waka Otshiwa, Raila Odinga obviously isn't happy. Should we expect his supporters to continue protesting? And, and what's the feeling among uh, young people in the country? How did they vote?
2: Well, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, this time around, the turnout was a little bit low compared to what we're used to at 65 percent. Uh, when you look at the overall number that could vote, 22.1 million, 39.8 percent percent were young people. And young people are between the age of 18 to 35 in Kenya, which was about 8.8 million. So, young people already a little bit fewer from 2017. They were 50 percent of the voters' block, So, there's a big dip. Uh, many of them just decided not to particularly participate. When we look at this particular election, both coalitions, very very strong, um, garnering half of the country. Both of them. So yes, one side is extremely elated and excited, another is grieving. And uh, even this afternoon, he did mention in a press briefing that he is going to take the matter to court. So some of his supporters are excited about that. Some of them are feeling drained and frustrated about the entire process. And time will tell. Mm. They do have the right to do so mm. if they feel that the process was not adequate enough for
0: them. Okay, Bobby Mkangi, uh, from a legal perspective with the legal challenge that looks likely to happen, how does it work? What should we expect in the coming weeks?
3: Well, um, as uh, my co-panelist has just said, uh, uh, Honourable Raila Odinga this afternoon did mention that um, he and uh, his coalition party, Azimio, uh, will seek, if I may quote him, Uh, all constitutional and legal uh, options. And so we are to assume that uh, he's going to file a petition uh, in the Supreme Court uh, seeking the invalidation of uh, 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 Chairperson uh, Wafula Chepukati's pronouncement uh, yesterday. So the Constitution does state that uh, after uh, the declaration, uh, any person, so it does not have to be uh, the contestant, it's any Kenyan who feels that uh, they have an issue uh, with the process and the declaration. Uh, they have a period of seven days and that uh, begins counting from today uh, and ending uh, next Tuesday to present their case before the Supreme Court of Kenya. Uh, and as uh, Dennis Alia said, uh, the Supreme Court uh, will have uh, 14 days uh, to, 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 to hear, to receive uh, 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 evidence, and and, and also for respondents, whoever they will be, uh, to file their defences. And uh, at the end of the day, after 14 days, uh, there will be a determination. And the determination Mm. can go uh, two ways only. Either validate uh, the the pronouncement from the chairperson, which means that uh, the president-elect will be moving forward uh, now uh, towards uh, being sworn in, uh, which will be a pa- after 7 days or uh, invalidation which uh, whose only route now will be a fresh election which must be conducted within 60 days of the supreme court's uh, decision.
0: Okay, Bobby Mkhangi, before we move on from you, you've uh, explained the process and 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 you know the, the constitutional basis for this. My question is, do people trust the process? Do people trust the courts? Will they accept whatever the result is?
3: Well, they don't uh, have an option but to accept. Uh, whether they agree with the decision or not, uh, that's, uh, you know, their prerogative. And right now, uh, this will be the third time if uh, if, if we have petitions, uh, since the constitution was promulgated in 2010, um, the first uh, election uh, in 2013... Uh, there are petitions, uh, similarly in 2017, um, and now if we do have uh, one, uh, this will be the third time that Kenyans are being visited with uh, this, this this scenario. So at the end of the day, uh, there are those who will be happy with the decision uh, that the Supreme Court will arrive at, and those, there are those who will not be happy with it. But uh, as I said earlier, um, accept it, they have to, because that's what the constitution uh, demands and prescribes agree with, that's uh, prerogative of each and every Kenyan and, uh, you know, other people
0: Dennis Ntumbi, assuming that the Supreme Court validates these results uh, and everything goes through for for Mr Ruto, how does he plan to unite the country? I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. It was an almost equal proportion of people, almost, not quite, who, who don't believe that he's up to the job.
1: I agree. Um, one of the things that we have to look at uh, the uh, democracy within the uh, voting electorate is that it is not uh, equally proportionate uh, to the entire percentage of the nation. And therefore, we have a segment of people that uh, essentially are getting the government of the day into play. Uh, but the president sits as a, nation, as a symbol of nationality. There are specific instruments and uh, chapters and articles in the constitution Uh, that then ratify him to be the president of the entire nation. And so one of the opportunities that uh, His Excellency William Ruto has is to unite the country, and his campaign has largely been about unity. You realize that if you study the thematics of this campaign, one of the things that uh, was not present in Kenya is tribology. And why was that not there? Because the unifying factor that he brought on board was about the socio-economic development of the people, according to Article 43 of the Constitution that grants Kenyans the rights to social and economic stability. So this time around, the various coalitions were not about regionalism or it wasn't about uh, ethnicity, negative ethnicity, as we've seen before. So already his campaign theme is uniting the nation because the nation is under economic peril. You know, there are critical questions about surging inflation. Uh, There are critical questions about um, the tax regime that is extremely punitive, and the joblessness of millions of young people and millions of Kenyans at the end of the day. We have just come from a pandemic. Uh, The exiting uh, administration has had critical issues in terms of uh, the quality and the efficacy of governance. So he has a lot of work to unite the country. And not just to unite the country, to get the country to realize its socioeconomic goals. Mm. And that is what he will do. Before the elections were called, one of the things he did was call Honorable Raila. And they had a chat for about an hour. And they discussed that whoever who wins uh, will, will, will be able to uh, have an inclusive government. Whoever who loses should concede. And uh, they have worked with Honda Buraila before. I mean, he's a political player that has been there in the fields uh, before in various positions in government. He knows his way around uh, the uh, political uh, infrastructure or topography. And therefore, he will be able to navigate himself and establish the One Kenyan Ocean under the banner of economic prosperity, which is a language that cuts across. There is no issue uh, that is specific to a particular tribe the issues in this country, whether them being socioeconomic or health or any other issues, mm. are cuts across the board. Okay. So from the campaign thing, okay. there's already a united factor. And I think that you will have the responsibility going forward to unite the country based on issues and ideals rather than the concept of tribalism.
0: Okay. Nurima Wako-Ochiwa, if this election has, um, in fact, evolved, I guess was the word, from being... Uh, about eth- ethnicity or, or regional issues into these broader issues that affect all Kenyans, are there still chances then this may escalate into violence? Because that's that's been the concern, isn't, isn't it? Looking back through history, there has been a concern that things could escalate into violence.
2: Uh, looking back through history, uh, it was a concern. But I believe that the point of concern happened yesterday. Most of the tension was around the declaration of president. And the fact that that has already happened, and that's why we saw a little bit, a little bit of chaos. I wouldn't call it conflict. It hasn't yet escalated to the extent that we should be concerned about. For many, they were going out to the streets to celebrate. For some, they were frustrated, and they did come out on the streets. But there were also some people taking advantage of the situation. Like we've already mentioned, the high cost of living. There's no employment opportunities for young people. So there's a lot of crime that happened last night. But I do believe that now that we have a way forward, the fact that Honorable Raila Odinga did have a press statement, and he did not agree with the results, and they have decided that they are going to the courts, his supporters have a way forward. And they are going to wait. Uh, That is one thing that we have practiced. It's taking issues and petitioning them to the court and waiting for the judiciary to give us whatever their opinion on their verdict is going to be. And Kenyans are good at that. So I do think that this is one election we have managed well as a public and we will continue to wait and see on the way forward.
0: Bobby Mkangi, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2017, the presidential vote was nullified uh, by the Supreme Court, citing irregularities. So how is this yes. time different or similar
3: well um, uh, one thing uh, I have to mention is that uh, uh, and perhaps you know in agreement with uh, what Dennis uh, did put out uh, earlier um, in my opinion uh, I think the supreme uh, sorry the 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 um, IABC uh, the election uh, management body this time around did uh, put effort in ensuring that it does conduct elections as was prescribed uh, upon nullification of uh, the 2017 presidential elections by the Supreme Court of Kenya. Uh, and that is why we have seen a lot of infusion of uh, transparency. We have seen a lot of in- uh, infusion of uh, uh, uh Um, uh, inclusion of uh, other players. We have seen the appropriate uh, use of uh, technology uh, uh, where the failure rate was very, very low. Um, If it's the the Kim's kids for verifying and identifying voters, um, uh, I think it's less than 250 out of uh, 46,000 plus that that did uh, fail. And we've seen the transmission of results um, uh, digitally uh, and uh, available uh, to an open uh, IBC portal as the Elections Act in Kenya prescribed uh, and, uh, coming forth. And that's why uh, this time around uh, you find that uh, many, many people were included um, you know, in, in tallying and, uh, and, and uh, verifying the results in comparing what uh, IBC was announcing. Uh, and uh, At the end of the day, uh, you look at this and you can see that uh, IBC has uh, very much uh, tried to conduct the elections as uh, was ordered by uh, the Supreme Court. And this is in line with the constitution because in nullifying the elections in 2017, the uh, Supreme Court of Kenya actually, uh, uh, by all intents and purposes, ordered IBC to conduct the then repeat election as prescribed uh, by the constitution. And I think this time around, despite uh, some uh, irregularities, which are expected, I mean, this is um, a a human endeavor, so uh, certain uh, irregularities uh, will be expected. But uh, at the end of the day, in my assessment and up to now, yes, we wait to see uh, what evidence uh, uh, those who will go to court will uh, produce. But uh, uh, to my observation, as I was saying, uh, this has been to a minimal, uh, marginal, negligible degree. Uh, And uh, I don't see any, uh, you know, uh, uh, substantial reason why uh, IBC could be held to fault uh, to the extent that it held uh, uh, an incredible... Uh, and, uh, and not free and fair elections.
0: Okay. Election. okay. Um, Dennis Ntumbi, we, we uh, sort of mentioned earlier about some of the challenges facing the president elect. Um, talk to me a little bit more about the state of the economy and, and what his plan actually is to address it.
1: Uh, thank you very much. That is a vital question, and that has been the premise of his campaign platform. The fact that uh, this country needs a uh, uh, socioeconomic resuscitation or a of the same, Uh, because Kenya is faced with a multiple of economic issues. Uh, Many of them really um, pegged upon what it is that we call mismanagement within the governance sphere. Um, Even before we got to uh, the pandemic, which made things worse, is that, uh, you know, there were a raft of um, uh, tax uh, increments and tax issues that came about that, uh, you know, made the cost of living or essentially the commodities aspect. When you're looking at, uh, uh, you know, aspects of uh, uh, food items, uh, gas, uh, and many other, many other things, including transport rent, they really affected the citizens of this country. And therefore, also the question of joblessness. We had about almost about 7 million there about uh, young people or Kenyans who uh, then have no job at all. And then also what it is that happened is that our economy moved uh, from almost about 30% formal to almost now about 90% informal. That even if you graduate from the university, you have to start perhaps as being a welder, or selling something in the streets and thereabout. Uh, so, this country has major economic issues. Also, we are rearing from very expensive external debts, uh, which is commercially based. Uh, majority, even of our, of our repayments, thereabout, we are using that to pay our debt. So, there are a raft of issues that, especially, are economic based that he must deal with. And the failure to deal with uh, many of those issues, in fact, the political question was, was Kenya going to go the Sri Lanka way or not? Mm. Uh, but so he has to also to deal with very expensive uh, corruption within, uh, uh, you know, governance spheres. And that's the reason why he was talking about the conversation and the question of uh, instituting a quasi-judicial commission on state capture, uh, which if you look at transparency international. Transparency National says that the many years that Kenya has done law reforms and what it is that we call impotent anger, there is nothing much that has come out of the fight of corruption, and therefore, the way to go maybe the South African way in terms of doing a quasi judicial public hearing on uh, state capture thereabout. So he has faced with a raft of issues, but the key that he has to to deal with is the cost of living, yeah. the inability of Kenyans to put even affordable food on the table, because what has happened, for example, if I give you just a first example, is that we are unable to uh, to get uh, uh, something like our staple food on the table locally in the country. In January, a 50, 50 kilogram of uh, bag of maize was going for about 2,900. Today, it's going for about 6,900, and it's unavailable locally. Many of the small and medium-sized millers are shut down, and uh, as you're well aware, the, the exiting president had put in a, a subsidy program to be able to buy maize internationally and mail locally, which, again, that one has not worked okay. because I hear of what the you're issue saying, of funding.
0: I hear what so, you're saying about the cost of living crisis. We are coming to the, uh, nearing the end of the program, so I just want to throw it over, um, before we run out of time, to Nurima Waka Ochiwa, because your uh, non-profit works with youth political engagement in Kenya. We've talked about how youth unemployment is high. Uh, We've talked about the cost of living crisis. How hopeful are young people about the possibility of change, about the future, about the political establishment
2: being able to offer them hope Many of them uh, did not participate in this election because they do not believe that a major change is going to happen. Frankly, a lot of them believe that a lot of their candidates are very similar and the same. But there has been a rise of young candidates entering politics, as many of them were kicked out during the zoning of the political party primaries, but a number of them did sail through. So there is some hope there where young people are investing in other young people in leadership, but also these conversations around perhaps we need to change how we engage young people. Zambia, in the election last year, had a high majority of young people participating, but it's also because they had the option of online registration. Mm. The IEBC is not there yet. As much as the registrar of political parties that has a platform for young people to register to join parties online. That is where we can start because when we look at political party engagement, or membership, real true membership, young people are the minority members in our 85 political parties combined. All right, we'll have to leave it there for time. Uh, but thank you to
0: all of our guests, Dennis Nthumbi, Narima Waka Ochiwa and Bobby Mkangi. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohamed El Aichi, Abdul Rahman Fung Nguyen, and Paul Taylor. Studio sound was by Phil Morrison. The program was edited by Anbarban Sakar, Lin Nguyen, and Joe Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again on Wednesday.